What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Janella Show. I'm Mike. Obviously, it is my 43rd podcast episode. Hopefully, it won't be my last. This time of year, spring training is going on baseball. A lot of people are in Arizona right now. A lot of athletes. They got a lot of teams in Arizona, too. All these guys, they got to live somewhere. Well, on the phone this week, I've got the lady who helps make it happen. Erica Brooks is on the phone. Erica, what's going on? Hey, Mike. Not too much. It's a beautiful day in Arizona. We have great spring training weather finally after a weekend of a lot of rain. Well, uh, I'm, I'm freezing here in uh, low 40s in New Jersey with snow coming tomorrow, so just keep making me jealous. That's, good. That's a good start to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Erica is, uh, is a realtor and athlete relocation specialist. She founded Issues Concerning Athletes. Uh, she hangs a real estate license with the Realty One Group there in Arizona. She helps pro athletes find places to live, short-term, long-term, all that kind of stuff. It's a super exciting uh, industry, and it's something I've always wanted to, to talk to you about, Erica. So we'll get into all that shortly, but... The way I start every show with every guest is the same. I ask you, what's the best thing that's happened to you in your life in general in the past week? So what was it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Put me on the spot. (laughs) Um, Gosh, there's not very much this past week because it's been busy getting everybody settled. All the minor league guys are getting into town. So it's not a very eventful week, per se, right now. (laughs) Hopefully something will happen this week. Well, you know, that's a good thing. Some people, you know, having a low-key, stress-free week is, is a highlight. So for you, I'm sure that's a, it's a nice little zen to enjoy before uh, things get even crazier. Um, all right. So, Eric, let's, let's talk about that, uh, you know, the industry cause, that you work in because, you know, everyone is always looking for a place to live, right? And whether you're hunting for an apartment on Craigslist in Savannah or you are a multi-million dollar athlete, you need four walls, you need a ceiling, and you're a person that just deals with, I guess, a more unique clientele. So um, let's start there. So, like, who who do you work with? Explain to us kind of your, your clientele demographic, uh, different sports you work with, different levels of, of experience you work with. Uh, who Who is it that you're helping find places to live? Well, basically, I help just about anybody involved in the sports field. So people such as yourself who are coming out here to cover games, I help them. I have a lot of clients with MLB.com. Other individual reporters like Milwaukee Centennial, we look at a whole front office staff. I help teams such as the Cubs, the Brewers, the Royals, um, quite a few others where we bring out basically the whole front office and coaching staff and also help them maybe during extended spring training for their players as well. Then in terms of the people who call me, it's anything from the players themselves or their wives or girlfriends, or in some cases, because the guys are young, even their parents. Then we have sports agents, CPAs, financial advisors, um, the teams themselves calling, um, training facilities. I deal also a lot with um, guys coming out here for the, for the um, NFL combines that are college kids training, and they're actually going on right now in Indianapolis. So I had probably about 30, 40 guys I placed we came out here to train in Arizona at different sporting facilities out here, like Fisher Institute. Um, then I have a lot of guys who just came to town who are quite angry that they have to compete with all the MLB guys, but NFL guys are in off-season training programs in Arizona. So I can also help out-of-state, but I'm only licensed as a realtor in Arizona, but do corporate housing throughout the country. Right, but Arizona, I mean, that's because of the great weather and the sort of the remoteness being able to just focus on your training. I feel like that is one of the great spots to be working with athletes. Is that fair to say? 
Oh, absolutely. And the number of athletes that make, excuse me, Arizona their home is huge. I mean, we have tons of NHL, NFL, NBA, MLB clients that live here all year round, and I do help them buy and sell homes as well. So, so what, what is the breakdown? Because obviously it sounds like, you know, spring training now is a, is a super busy time for you or guys that are just training temporarily for the combine. What's uh, like, what's the, what's the pie? How does it break down between guys that you help just find a place for like a month or two or guys that you're actually helping buy a home that they're going to live in sort of permanently, I guess. Well, I'll probably do about two to 300 rentals in a year. And I'll probably do with baseball players, maybe five or six sales. So it's much, a much larger percentage that rent. Many of these guys have homes in two other places. So they choose to rent for spring training, but some, but quite a few turn into permanent residents because they, they do love the weather here and they can live here in the nicest time, especially with major league baseball, because the six months a year of the regular season, three of those months are, I mean, I'll take the miserable 110 degree heat over (laughs) three feet of snow, but Uh, they avoid, they avoid July, August, September, where it's hot and a little humid with the monsoon season. So they get to live here from October through, you know, March, April, which is absolutely gorgeous. So it's, it's not that hard of a sell to convince somebody who's come out here and experienced spring training to want to purchase something and, and live here in the nicest time of the year. And the weather here is unbelievable um, for those six months. That, that's what I was about to say. I would, I, like, I've been, well, I went there on vacation once in, in Scottsdale and this was May and it was starting to get a little warm. I, I could not live there in July or August, but yeah, if you're a pro baseball player, you're there for the best times of the year when it's spring and it's not too hot yet. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. Cause I would take the three feet of snow over the 115 degrees, even if it's a dry heat, as they say, it still, it still makes me sweat just getting out of bed. So, uh, but it's each their own, I guess. Uh, so you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Erica, in terms of the process of how it works. But what's so do you ever reach out to people or are you getting just strictly incoming calls from a 19 year old's mom or someone's wife or someone's agent? Like, what's the process of getting you latched on with somebody that's looking for a place? Well, my background actually is I did work in front offices in sports and over the years made a lot of contacts. And because of of that, I don't really do any advertising. I go to big events where I'm seen. So people know I I'm still around, but I don't really do any advertising. It's really not necessary because the best advertising is a happy customer and word of mouth. So when now it's a lot different, I guess back when I did this, you know, 10 years ago or so I did do advertising. I sent out, if you can believe postcards and reminders for spring (laughs) training, things like that. But there's so many um, Facebook pages. There's so many different networking sites for baseball players, agents, wives, groups. And once you have a happy customer, they love giving out your number. And I've been very fortunate that probably the wives group has been my biggest um, proponent and cheerleader. So I get a lot of business just from wives saying, I saw your name on this page or whatever. 
my dad, one of his most frequent tips of advice for me is happy wife, happy life. So I guess, yeah, you find the <laughs> player a nice place to live and the wife likes it, they're going to spread the word and that's only good for you. Uh, so, I mean, that, that is pretty crazy. So, so you, I guess, cause I always wonder, I assumed, and maybe if you're dealing with spring training people, it's not that frequent, but say like the Diamondbacks who play in Arizona, you know, full time, if someone's getting, someone gets traded, they acquire a new player. Is that like, is the wife reaching out to you once the news breaks? Is the agent, are you on the transaction pages of ESPN.com seeing, oh, uh, John Doe just got traded to the Diamondbacks. Let me uh, try and post something in, in a Facebook group somewhere. Like what happens when it's more dynamic like that, as opposed to spring training, when everyone's already kind of coming to you and it's fish in a barrel? Well, usually it's the agent and they contact me before the trade's even done. So, I mean, I could probably make a fortune. Oh, you got the I know, scoops. I know. Yeah, you get the scoops. <laughs> and they trust me because I've been doing this for years and it doesn't get out. I mean, I knew some of the biggest signings of spring training about a month before they happen. And it's crazy because they straight out, I have to do leases in, in the team's name so nobody will find out. Um, but the a lot of these deals are done way in advance. They just don't announce them. I'm not sure why, but I'm not going to obviously name names, even <laughs> though it's past, it's past and it's knowledge now of where these players have signed, but they're like huge names, huge free agents that have signed. And for whatever reason, the team doesn't want anybody to know. And it was done a month in advance and it was released a month later. I'm again, I'm not sure why, but so lots of times I have the knowledge, a wife will call me like my husband's deciding between two teams, you know, it's kind of, or they'll say my husband just signed, but it's contingent on a physical next week or whatever. So it's, it's kind of fun. I probably could go to Vegas and put some bets down knowing some free agents that sign, <laughs> but I, I'm not a betting person. And there's so many variables that go into a good team anyway. It's not just, you know, the talent on the team. Right. And you, and you don't want to use your powers for evil either, because you know, that's, <laughs> that would get you on, on the villain side of the comic book tape. Um, so what, right. so when, when an athlete comes to you, uh, I mean, that's gotta be, what's the turnaround like? Because I imagine, especially in season spring training, maybe a little bit different because they have some time to think about it in the off season. But when a wife or an agent calls you and like, Hey, my husband, my client is probably going to this team in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that's got to be stressful for you, right? Just turning that around and finding something they're going to like within a matter of days sometimes, I imagine? Well, if it's a Diamondback player coming here, actually the regular season's a lot easier because it's off-season. So there's a lot more vacancy. When, they, when player signs, like I have a guy right now looking for a place in Glendale that just signed with um, the Dodgers, and he, we can't find him anything. Like he's going to be stuck in a hotel because uh. there's just nothing available on that side of town where during the season there, there's less people fighting for the same spots and there's a ton more vacancy for the summer. Cause like we touched upon earlier, nobody wants to live here in the summer <laughs> if they don't have to and right. have an option. So, um, but usually it, it kind of depends, you know, with real estate, lots of times you have to move in with certified funds and you have to get a, a contract done. So between them seeing something, either it's online, majority of my clients don't view things in person. They trust me. Um, I'll FaceTime them. I'll go walk the unit if they need me to. Um, but we can usually get it done at least by the next business day. I've gotten guys in places the same day and sometimes really? it takes a couple of weeks. 
Wow, same day or next day even. That's crazy. I mean, I just bought a condo last year. I went half in with my brother, and that process took well, us no, like no. a yeah, month this, and a this half. This is for renting. Oh, for rent. Okay. No, even that's still, for renting. Even still in, living in, in New York buying, for years. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that sounds crazy to me. Well, you, oh, you do this for so many years. You have good relationships, and some people might, you know, bend the rules a little bit, you know, knowing – you know, not no fair housing rules bending, but of course, of course, bend the rules a little <laughs> to get to get somebody in there, you know, pretty quickly, or they'll when or not necessarily bend the rules, but they'll jump through hoops and get carpet cleaners in and things like that. You know, call in favors because of the amount of business I I do give them, or and some people it's it's I hate to say it, but they're they're intrigued by having a celebrity stay in their home, so they will jump through hoops and go the extra step to get it done. Yeah, you hate to say it, but that's the nature of the business, right? I mean, the, you know, that's no matter what industry you're working in. If it's somebody celebrity-oriented, there's going to get some wheels greased a little faster than, than the average Joe, I would imagine. But, uh, I mean, it sounds like you said earlier, you've been doing this 10-plus years now. By this point, I'm sure you have the system down pat and lots of favors you can call in or people that just want to help, which I'm sure makes the job a lot easier for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to surround yourself by good people to um, look good. It, it, trust me, it's not me doing most of the work all the time. You know, <laughs> other people are making me look very good. So I appreciate, you know, all my co-realtors that help me out and vendors and just everybody in general that really have over the years, you know, built good relationships with. So these guys, when they come to you, the athletes themselves or their proxies, What's the what's the number one thing they're looking for in a place, whether it's a short term rental or a longer term home? Is there, are there is there any one kind of overlapping theme that you notice is super important to whoever it is you're working with? Well, because my clientele is so varied. I mean, people say professional athlete, but there's so many different levels, and even the ones that make millions, sometimes they don't want to spend a fortune on their place. And then I have the guys that were not bonus babies. They're People don't realize players don't do not get paid for spring training. Minor league guys get like seven hundred and something dollars or nine hundred dollars to live out, um, and they're getting eighteen hundred dollars a month or something when the season starts. So they don't have a lot of money, and they're packing four guys in a place, you know, and hoping to get something for two thousand dollars a month, which is unheard of in Arizona in high season. Um, so there, you have guys like that are just looking for cheap and a place that allow guys have multiple guys in a bedroom and fair housing allows that, but they can discriminate against baseball players. Surprisingly, it's not a protected class. So people Uh. think, you know, four four guys in a two bedroom place, it's like a frat house, you know, it's more the age group and the reputation of, you know, what you see on TMZ, you know, you see the bad stuff. You don't always see the charity events and then visiting schools. You see, them partying on the dirty or whatever. Right, of course. <laughs> and so, so it's, you know, for them, it's cost. Then for people who are coming with a wife and they only have one car, it's location, it's safety, it's um, being around things to do if, um, if they have children by parks. Um, cleanliness. The biggest thing is probably location, Price, I can't say, is an issue. It is for some. It isn't for others. But nobody wants to feel taken advantage of. So you can have two homes at the same price. You know, say it's $10,000 a month. But one could be a 2,000-square-foot home and one could be a 6,000-square-foot home. 
And athletes, I think more so than the average person, don't want to be taken advantage of and they want to feel like they won. It's a competitive nature. So they don't like to be gouged in price. That's funny. The idea that I won this negotiation or this real estate price or you know, I, I beat the market. <laughs> exactly. They take that off the field to, I'm sure, everything they do in life. Uh, it's funny. When I used to work in minor league baseball, I remember the stories of, yeah, the guys, they'd have the four guys in the two bedrooms. And then whenever a new player would be in town just for a week or two, he'd be crashing on the couch and it becomes potentially this, this giant mess. And I'm sure uh, most people think of, like you say, the, the worst parts of that instead of the the nicer parts where there's just these, these young kids trying to get by, they need a place to lay their head, which is the number one thing that, you know, we're all looking for at the end of the day anyway. Oh, exactly. Um, most of the guys are really good guys. I mean, if you take the demographic of their age group, they're probably better than anybody in their age group because they are focused on training when they're out here and spring training is a little different than other times of the year where guys have more time to party. They're at the field at six in the morning. They're fighting for a job. So, I mean, unless they're an outlier, you know, like certain players that you see in the press that are partying and have, you know, substance abuse problems or something like that, which, again, those are outliers. They're normally great tenants. I mean, I sometimes rather have a bunch of young guys than, you know, an established guy who has a bunch of kids that draw on walls and things <laughs> like that. But <laughs> have to clean applesauce out of the air conditioning vents and get the crayon off the wall exactly. and all that stuff. Um, so what, what, so what are those guys looking like? What's the difference, the disparity when you're working between these sort of hungry minor leaguers and maybe a more established guy and you don't have to name any names here, uh, obviously, but in terms of price, in terms of size, in terms of amenities, what's the range that you're dealing with here looking from say a, a single a ball player who's 20 versus a guy who's been in the big leagues, 10 years, has a couple million in his contract what, what's the difference in that range from, from A to I'll just to Z? give you the, the, the cheapest place I probably found somebody for spring training was 1500 a month. I mean, these are furnished places, utilities included, willing to do one, two-month leases, which is very hard to find. We're lucky in Arizona and Scottsdale, at least, there's a lot of vacation rentals where Airbnb and these things have actually made prices go way up um, because there's people rather do weeklies than monthlies. So it's made my job a lot more difficult. And then probably the most expensive rental that I've done for spring training is about 35000 a month. Um, 35000 so a month? Wow. <laughs> That's insane. I know. But you know what? These are four or five million dollar homes. So they're really, if you think about it, not that insane. But you would be surprised at some of the guys that rent those type of places. They're the guys making sometimes a couple million and the guys who are making... 15 million a year are renting, you know, just a corporate apartment. You, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just the lifestyle that they lead. And a lot of guys are cautious. They have huge 12,000 square foot mansions, you know, back home and some want something similar. And then others don't want to be paying the mortgage on that and something, you know, outlandish in spring training. And they can adapt because they're living six months a year, half that time in hotel rooms of 400 square feet. So an apartment, you'd be surprised at some of the richest people that you've ever met on what they li actually live in during spring training. It's something that you and I might live in or we wouldn't even live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. And it's just, yeah, personality type. Someone who has 
who's making $100 million, but they don't like spending it on that. They'd rather do it on trips or cars or whatever. And then the people who are spending... Or charity. Or charity, yeah. Or the guys like you alluded to, maybe spending beyond their means, they get that first big contract and they want to live that lifestyle and everything that comes with it right away uh, if they're not you know, quite that established. Yeah, we all have different preferences and that kind of stuff, so I get it. Um, so how... You kind of mentioned it a little bit. How did you get into this? Because you started working in front office uh, in sports, but now you're, you've been doing this uh, basically exclusively for a while now. How did? What made you do that? Because working in sports, I mean, there are so many you know other services, accounting, legal, where people do it for you know the average Joe, quote unquote. But then other people like you do it for a much cooler industry and a much cooler clientele. So how did you actually get involved in all this? Well, I grew up a huge sports fan, grew up with two brothers and a father who, if I wanted to spend any time with him, I had to pick a sport (laughs) and watch it with him. And I became a huge baseball fan because baseball went slow enough when I was five years old for my dad to explain it to me. He taught me how to figure out batting average. He taught me um, the um, strategy behind things. And I grew up a huge Mets fan. Um, very traditionalist with baseball, don't like the designated hitter <laughs> and all that stuff because of the strategy and um, football, other things. By the time the flag went up, two more flags went up while he was explaining the flag. So I just became a huge baseball fan. I went to school in St. Louis, got a job interning with the St. Louis Cardinals in community relations. So I went to say no to drug programs and player appearances and on-field promotions, things like that while I was going to school at Washington University. And while I was there, I saw something on TV about um, Ohio University and their Master's of Sports Administration program. So I actually applied through the NCAA and got a scholarship for women pursuing a master's in sports. And I went to OU on scholarship, graduated from there, did an internship with the Indianapolis Indians and the Indianapolis Ice, which is a minor league hockey, well, baseball and hockey team. And I did public relations and sales. Then I got a job in Phoenix working for the Phoenix Firebirds doing PR. I wrote the press releases. I did game notes, all those things. And while I was there, because we spring trade out here, guys would call me up and ask me to help them find places to live for spring training. and Back then, I'm going to age myself, you basically looked in the newspaper, you called real estate offices, and it took a ridiculous amount of time. And I did a phenomenal job. I helped them. They kept giving my number out, and I wanted to get paid on it. And the lady (laughs) at the other end of the phone basically said to me, well, you need to be a licensed realtor to get paid on this. And I was like, well, maybe I should go do that. So I took like the seven, 12-day program, and in like two weeks, I basically had my license, which is kind of unheard of. And it kind of started like that. I did on the side, maybe made $7,000 my first year doing it, just helping guys. And it was word of mouth and word of mouth. And finally, I was like, you know what? I think I got something here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a necessity, the mother of invention to finally seeing some success. That's got to change your outlook pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the business has grown. I don't only do real estate. Um, One of the biggest things that I help guys with, and especially these combine players and minor leaguers, is I have corporate accounts with rental car companies anywhere in the country, and I get the underage driving fee waived. If you've ever rented a car when you're under 25, especially for a week or two, I mean, it doubles your, your rate. It's, it's ridiculously high. So I almost call it my free advertising because, you know, 
I basically do it for nothing. And um, I get a huge amount of clients, sports agents calling me for that. And then they remember that I do the housing or they have a client that's like, oh, I have a client that wants to buy a place in Arizona. And it all came off of a, a rental car. Who knew from Avis and Hertz or whatever corporate of booking to putting enterprise, a guy right. enterprise. Oh, there you go to putting a guy in a, in a thirty-five thousand dollar a month uh, spring training home potentially. Oh, that's awesome. Um, cool, Erica. Well, we're going to get to the last couple segments in the show here. Before we do, uh, you've mentioned how you started uh, when this was back in the newspaper real estate days. So I imagine you've seen trends in housing come and go like nobody's business, whether it's. I don't know, carpeting or a certain molding or different furniture. What's the, what's the funniest thing that you look back now from your early days of this business that's changed so much since you started? And what makes you laugh the most of what you've seen change from day one until now? It's, it, I wouldn't say laugh, but the biggest thing is technology. It is so much easier. I remember there were days where I I mean, I kind of miss it because I called January my diet month <laughs> because <laughs> my phone would not stop ringing. I couldn't get up to eat. And now it's all emails and texts and you can do that anywhere. You can be more mobile. Um, I do have funny stories of, I call it like ball player problems. <laughs> Things that guys that call up that just, it's not even like first world problems. It takes it to a whole nother level. Like what? Give um, me some examples. No names, of course. Sure, sure. <laughs> But my, my funniest story, well, it's probably not the funniest, but the one that resonates and stays in my head is I had a client who rented a three $4,000 a month home. So you have to realize that might sound like a fortune, but in spring training, that's, you know, a 13, 1400 square foot home, very simple, like a starter home for a lot of families and um, normal two car garage. And I get a phone call at like midnight from the sports agent just kind of like not screaming because he's the nicest guy in the world, but kind of like all panic because his client was yelling at him that his car doesn't fit in the garage. And I'm like, well, does he have like a lifted truck or does he have like a Hummer with riding wheels because or riding um, this thing's on the top of the car. Right. Right. And I'm like, otherwise it's a normal garage. Any normal car should fit into it. I'm like, can you please find out what he has? And he's like, well, he's really upset and da-da-da. calls me back. And it was a Hummer with a satellite dish on top. Of <laughs> and I'm just like, that would only fit in an RV garage. I don't know what he was thinking, like how he would even think that would fit. And then I had a sports agent tell me that he had a client that wanted out of a lease because they couldn't do to get, to get out of the garage, they had to do a three-point turn, and it was just too much work for him. Oh, those extra 20 seconds really ruined <laughs> someone's day, you know? <laughs> oh, satellite dish on the it, Hummer, it, though. It, that's funny. great. That's great. Oh, that's so much fun. Um, all right, Erica. Well, we usually end with the fun five, which are five uh, quick, fun questions designed for you and you alone. But before we get to that, I also like to offer my guests on the show a chance to turn the tables and ask me any question they'd like, if they so choose. So... If you'd like, if there's anything you want to ask me, fire away. Oh, my gosh. I hate being put on the spot. I'm not good at um, instant stuff. <laughs> you can also pass. I'm not here to force anyone into okay, anything. Okay, I'm going to just... pass. All right. <laughs> You're allowed to exercise that right. Um, here's the fun five then. Erica, question number one. I'm assuming that uh, you know these guys, when they, or some of them at least, after you help them out, give you some kind of a thank you gift or something like that. A, is that true? And B, if so, what's the best thank you gift you've ever gotten from a client? 
Actually, not too many have. I've gotten flowers. I've gotten, which actually my favorite, I just had a wife write me the sweetest note and how I made the process so easy and they never had such a, a nice rental. And they had like three Rottweilers, which are restricted breed dogs. And I found them a place and they were just so thankful. I had one guy send me Chanel perfume, Ooh, nice. <laughs> um, which was very sweet. Um, gift cards. But not too much. I mean, this is my job. I, I, I have, I probably had five wives or guys ask me for my address and I don't give it to them basically saying, this is what I do. Just if you're happy, tell other people. So I guess the best gift is a, is a recommendation. Yeah. The best gift is a referral. Took the words right out of my mouth. Um, question number two, then Erica, you mentioned some of the, the problems that you've had from these guys, satellite dishes on top of cars, you know, after the fact, What's the craziest request, though, before someone's gotten into a property that anyone's ever wanted? Like, I want a swimming pool in my bedroom, like that kind of stuff. What's the craziest <laughs> thing an athlete's ever looked for? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, I, I don't, I'm going to change the question a little and say one of the weirdest things was that I um, took a client who is known for his personality looking at places and we would walk into a place and he would just be like, I'm not feeling the feng shui of this. He's like, it doesn't make me happy. The vibe isn't good. And basically we had to go through like 10 places until he got the right aura around him. <laughs> hey, feng shui. You don't see that too often on the property listing, but that's a very important thing for some people, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think I really, I mean, a lot of, people it's just about the view or um you know they're not here for for that long so in terms of purchasing i mean that's different but with rentals it's there's really nothing too crazy i mean i i've had to do things where i had to find parking for enough of their vehicles or make sure it has a garage because they have a motorcycle and the team can't know they have the motorcycle <laughs> Like a hidden, uh, like the bat cave when the Batmobile pulls in and nobody can see exactly. that. It's kind of the same thing. Because um, they're breaking contractual um, limitations, you know. Between between that information that you're privy to and all the early uh, signings and tradings, you, you're holding on to a lot of secrets that a lot of people uh, certainly don't want to get out. You're a very powerful woman. Um, all right, Erica, question. Yeah, I always, I Go always ahead joked around that I could write a book. I was going to call it foul ball. <laughs> Perfect. You should. Yeah. And just change all the names slightly. So no one really knows who exactly you're talking about, but I think that's a bestseller exactly. on your hands. There you go. Um, <laughs> question number three, maybe uh, you can name a name here because it'll be in a positive light. Uh, who's the most low maintenance athlete compared to their stardom you've ever dealt with? Someone that maybe people may assume would be a big prima donna or have a lot of demands and requests but is actually the nicest, most like low key client to work with. Anybody in particular come to mind? One of my favorites was Mike Cameron. Um, I would always stress out if something fell through and he's like, baby girl, don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. He was, I mean, I grew up a Mets fan and he was here with the Mets for uh, quite a few years and he was always a fan favorite. Just seemed like a really cool guy. So that's good to hear that that's actually true. Um, question. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Question number four. Uh, this is kind of a, a real estate, I guess, cliche, but you always hear that whenever someone's having an open house, for example, 
the realtors like to bake cookies. So that way it's a nice smell. So when people are coming in to view the house, it smells lovely and like home and it makes them more susceptible to buying it. Do you have any uh, realty tricks like that or hacks? And what's your best, your best one? Well, to be honest, I don't think open houses sell homes. They help agents find new clients. Um, I, I, I really don't believe that open houses actually sell, sell the house. So it's just making the person feel like they can see themselves in the home. You know, um, if you're selling your home, you want to depersonalize it so that when someone walks in, they don't see pictures of your family because then they can't visualize themselves living in there. They see you living in there. Um, another trick I some of my clients do, especially when the business was going crazy, is they write letters telling a homeowner of their story. And it's helped me in multiple situations help my client get the home because the homeowner wants to sell the home to someone who will love the home as much as they did. Hmm. A different way to look at it. Yeah. But I guess you're the person who knows exactly how to see these things from that side of it. So makes sense. Um, all right. Question five, the last one in the fun five, Erica, we alluded earlier to uh, that $35,000 a month rental that you've helped ink before. What is whether rental or a purchase, a sale, What's the most expensive property you've ever sold or rented to an athlete? You don't have to name names, but what's the biggest number you can throw out there for us to kind of blow our minds? Um, well, I sold quite a few million dollar plus homes. Right now I have a listing, which I have not sold, but um, if anybody would love to see a gorgeous home in Scottsdale that is owned by a professional athlete that has been traded and no longer lives here, I have a $2.25 million listing right now. There you go. And I did sell it to them three years ago. So if any of my listeners, if you've got that extra $2.25 million just lying around <laughs> in the couch cushions, uh, give Erica a call and she'll get you set up right away. Uh, Erica, this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know it is a busy time of the year for you, so I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, anything you want to plug, anything you want people to go check out online, uh, feel free to, to let them know and, and spread whatever word you'd like. Well, if anybody is looking to purchase a home in Arizona or um, sell their home, they can give, give me a call or they can, I would suggest emailing. I don't like giving me up my phone number. <laughs> Understandable. Um, my, my email is um, icabaseball at AOL.com. That is one of my emails that they can contact me on and I can definitely help them. Um, the, I usually do a charity event. I'm not doing it this year because of the WBC. So what I'd love to plug is a disease that's very in this cause dear to my heart, which is what my dad died from, which is amyloidosis, amyloidosis support groups. Um, if somebody wants to look it up and if hopefully save a life because people, it's often misdiagnosed. Um, and if anybody wants to support it, especially Reds fans or Diamondback fans, because it's the same color, Billy Hamilton has adapted the cause. And if you go to... Um, 108 stitches the K cancer shirts. If you purchase a shirt for that cause, $8 will go to the charity. That's awesome. Great stuff, uh, Erica. Really appreciate that. And I will, uh, on my website as well, throw up links to that so everybody can check that out without a doubt. Um, all right, Erica, thanks so much again. Stay on the line and I'll uh, wrap up with you real quickly after we finish recording here. But thanks so much and good luck uh, 
unloading all the rest of those properties you have uh, there this spring. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's Thank Erica. That's Erica Brooks. Make sure to visit MikeJanella.com to find all those links to the stuff Erica was talking about, plus all previous episodes of the show. And you can also find out about the great outro music that you're hearing right now. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll try and do better next time. See ya.